Hello and welcome to episode number 28 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about Ireland. I figured it was the right time of year for this podcast, with it being mid-March, St. Patrick's Day, of course, March 17th. Even if you're not Irish, you're well aware of St. Patrick's Day because it's a good reason to have some beer, maybe some whiskey, have a little bit of fun. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think there's a lot of things about Ireland that just kind of escape people because I think everybody has misconceptions. And I spent some time there going on a decade ago now. Time flies when you're having fun. But I've always been interested in the Irish culture. Again, having a name like O'Neill, you might assume that I grew up in a household that was very Irish and surrounded by all of these things. But I really didn't. The O'Neill name comes from a grandfather that I never met, and my mother's side of the family is more of the Polish and Slovakian and all that. So, you know, there's there's definitely a mixture, but everybody hears the name O'Neill, and of course you assume that we should be an expert of all things Irish. So I was interested in Ireland from a young age. Of course, you know, you get into things like the music, the Pogues, U2, those kind of things. Maybe you like both of them, maybe you don't. But, you know, it kind of got me looking into things about the Irish culture, and it was really a blast to go there and spend a couple of weeks and experience Ireland and the culture. The most strangest thing about the trip to Ireland was going into the local pubs and seeing the younger crowd drinking Budweiser. (laughs) I mean, what are you doing? I went there so I could drink fresh Guinness, which is absolutely amazing. In Ireland, get it right at the Guinness Storehouse in Dublin, and I don't think there's a a finer brew. But we're going to go down kind of a list in this show of things that I like from Ireland and that I'm a constant consumer of. I'm going to talk a little bit about the trip to Ireland, including a really, really horrible hotel stay or bed and breakfast, depending on the way you look at how big this place is and how how the owners of said establishment were really, really unhappy with the review that we left, and to an extent that I am still surprised at going on a decade later. And we're going to talk about things like, you know, the Irish dialect and and all of these kind of things. So today's show is all about Ireland. Hopefully you're enjoying a nice Irish whiskey right now, because that is one of the things that I've always enjoyed Well, not always. I mean, you know, 21 and over, of course. Always enjoyed Irish whiskey. It's a little bit cleaner, but there are tons of Irish whiskeys out there. And I love the fact that they're becoming more mainstream in the United States. For years, we'd go to Costco because that's where you do a lot of your shopping. Around St. Patrick's Day, Costco would have the corned beef briskets, which are good. I mean, if you have a slow cooker, there's nothing better. Grab a corned beef brisket, throw it into the slow cooker. Don't use water. Use Guinness. I mean, old Guinness is fine. So if you had anything sitting around for a while, you don't want to waste good beer. Throw some Guinness in there along with some onions, potatoes, little red potatoes and that. You'll have a great, great finished product. But the Irish whiskey is something that when we'd go into Costco around St. Patrick's Day, they would have the Irish Jameson. That's what they, that was their grand scheme. Their grand selection was off for Jameson's, which isn't bad. They, then they came out with their own Costco brand, which it's like, eh. 
there's tons of Irish whiskey brands out there. And I always complain when we'd go in around St. Patrick's Day, that's like, okay, they're going to have Guinness, you know, or they have the three pack, which is also good. Guinness, Harp, and Smittix. It's not Smithwick's, it's Smittix. You grab one of those really good beer. I don't like normal American beer, but I do like the Irish beer. But I always complain that they didn't have a selection of Irish whiskey. This year, that was completely different. They had their Jamesons, but they also had some other selections. They had a Jameson Black Barrel, which is a little bit better than the average Jamesons. They had a Teeling, and they had a Sexton, which is a a single malt. All Irish whiskeys have to be triple distilled. That's one of the things that makes them different than, say, a Scotch and different than, say, a bourbon or American-made whiskey. So it's distilled three times which makes it a little bit smoother, but that doesn't mean it's without taste. I like the Irish stuff because it gives a little more of a smoky flavor where a scotch kind of tastes like grass to me. But your mileage may vary. You may like different things. For me, when it comes to whiskeys, Irish whiskey is definitely the way to go. And it doesn't have to be the expensive stuff, although there is some expensive Irish whiskey that's really, really excellent. The normal kind of price whiskeys, though, the Powers, Tullamore Dew, there's a whole bunch out there that I would recommend for people that are used to nothing more than your basic Jamesons or your basic Bushmills. When it comes to Bushmills, the Black Bush is absolutely fantastic. It's one of the most smoky, full-bodied of the cheaper Irish whiskeys, and I definitely would recommend giving that a try, of course, as long as you're of legal drinking age and all of that. One of the most interesting things that I saw in Ireland, it, would see, it was really one of these things to where you say the Irish get a bad rap because, you know, there's that whole thing about drinking and maybe imbibing a little bit too much. One of the other things that I really, really like from Ireland is the oatmeal, the Irish steel cut oats. You can get those in almost any store. And the it's a little bit of a heartier oatmeal. But they had the Irish oats, of course. We were at a hotel in, this was in Belfast, and I think this was the Europa Hotel, which is an interesting place to begin with, because I believe it is the most bombed hotel in the history of the free world. I mean, maybe the most bombed hotel anywhere, because I don't know why people would just could be continually bombing hotels, but there were barricades up in front of it and all that. And the buffet breakfast we had at the Europa Hotel, you know, you're going down the line, you're getting your food. They had the oatmeal and sitting at the oatmeal station was a bottle of whiskey. And that just blew my mind. So, hey, you you can say what you want about the Irish, but when you're having some Irish steel cut oats, Maybe put a little bit of brown sugar in there and maybe a little hint of whiskey. There's nothing wrong with that to get your day going. It really mixes two of the best things around, which is Irish oatmeal and Irish whiskey. You put them together with a little Irish butter and hell, man, you have yourself a breakfast because I love the Irish butter. I mean, that's something that has become a staple for me as well. Uh, The brand I like is Kerrygold, but I'm sure that there are others. But it's just one of those things to where you kind of get a preference. And I start going down the line, and I'm sure maybe some of it is subconscious. But if it's from Ireland, I'm probably going to think it's better. There's some really great cheeses out of Ireland. And for such a little country, 
they really are putting out a whole lot of really good products. So with St. Patrick's Day being this week, definitely go out, try some Irish whiskey, grab yourself maybe some Black Bush, grab yourself some Tullamore Dew, try it out. Try something you've never tried. And definitely give the Irish steel cutouts a little bit of Irish butter. And of course, everybody likes, I think, maybe not everybody, but the Irish beer is the best known, the Guinness, which is a an interesting beer when you compare it to everything else. It's very different than what most people, if you're in America and you grew up drinking beer in the Budweiser vein or, God forbid, Coors Light, if you're used to that, Guinness is something absolutely completely different, but it's what I've kind of grown to as the favorite type of beer that I enjoy. It has a little bit more flavor to it. It has that nice big head, and there's nothing like a pint of Guinness that you can get directly in Ireland at the Guinness Storehouse. It's a place that you have to go if you're in Dublin and check it out. I mean, you take a whole tour, but at the end of the tour, you get to enjoy a nice pint of the best beer in the world with one hell of a view of the city of Dublin. Now, for the trip, I guess we'll start with the worst night and kind of work our way to what was good about that, because the worst night kind of became the most entertaining, I suppose. And this was because of the bed and breakfast, which they call themselves a hotel. But this is a place where if you go and search for a hotel on something like TripAdvisor, in the city where this place exists, there's like three hotels. So it's a, it's a small area, not a huge city. It's not like you're in Dublin or Belfast or something like that. But this particular bed and breakfast, it seemed fairly nice. But here, let me just read the review, if I can, to you, and then let you know the reaction that said review got. The title of the review is, Would Have Been Great If It Weren't For The Spiders. So spoilers, I think you can kind of already tell where this is going, but let me read the short review to you. We'll start with the good. The Loch Lean Country House is in a beautiful area with some awe-inspiring scenery. The hosts were friendly, and the rooms looked nice. The bathroom was absolutely stunning with a separate tub and shower and some beautiful tile work. We checked in late one afternoon and immediately left for dinner and a concert we were attending. When we returned about midnight, we found our room covered with spiders. Since the rooms have no air conditioning, I guess the windows are left open, and I'm assuming that's where all the spiders came from. It's really a shame they didn't invest in screens for the windows to attempt to eliminate the problem because otherwise it seemed like a charming little hotel. And, just to clarify, we are not talking about one or two spiders. My wife and I counted 16 of them by the time we had cleared out all that we could see. My friend staying in the next room had a similar issue with the spiders. We did try going down to the front desk, but again, being a small hotel, everyone was already asleep for the night, and I didn't even think a room change would be beneficial since we already knew that the two rooms we had had the spiders, so figured all of them would. The amount of spiders bothered me enough that I stayed dressed and maybe got an hour or so of sleep. I was never so happy to leave a hotel in all of my life. While something as simple as window screens would have kept out the spiders and made this maybe a three to four star hotel for me, I have to instead say it was without a doubt the worst night I would have ever spent in a hotel in my entire life. 
So I thought I was being fair here. It's a nice place, had a little problem. And I can tell you we did go when we got back and realized the room was infested with spiders. And these weren't really small spiders. I mean, you see some spiders here in the Chicago area where there are times I'll see one that's like crawling on the desk. But, you know, it's so small that if you can't kill it, if you don't have something to kill it quick enough, it disappears and you'll never find it again. The spiders in Ireland, and I believe I still have pictures of this. I could maybe put that in the, in the website. I mean, you could ride a couple of these things. I mean, we're talking these were some serious big-ass spiders. These weren't like little bugs that would be an annoyance. To me, this was like something out of a horror movie, and that's kind of the way this, this whole thing felt. Being a little a bed and breakfast, we went and tried to find people, but it was midnight, and of course, nobody was answering any phones. Nobody was at the front desk. And I don't know where else you call if it's not the front desk. And the next morning, when we were checking out, when they're, you know, of course, well, how was everything? We told them this, what had happened and just kind of got a blank stare. No offer of, we're sorry, nothing like, hey, we'll knock 20 bucks off your bill, whatever it was, because it wasn't a cheap room, I can tell you that. No offer of anything, nothing besides, well, you must have left the lights on. And I'm like, well, no, you can't because this is this is getting close to, you know, communist Ireland because this was one of these hotels where the lights or anything in the room would not turn on unless your room key was inserted to let them know you were in the room. So basically it's locked down, which is when you're leaving the room, all the power has to go off. So I don't know how I was going to leave the lights on. Maybe I got some kind of magic that would have left the lights on. And somehow, maybe I'm the St. Patrick that instead of getting rid of the snakes in Ireland, maybe it was just my, my great magnetism that brought all the spiders into my room rather than out of them. I don't know. But I was less than impressed with their reaction to me telling them about the problem the following morning. Didn't even want to eat breakfast. They just wanted to get the hell out of this particular hotel. So I went and I was doing, because this is the way I picked the hotels, as a lot of people do now, and this was 10 years ago, but this is how I picked the hotels. I went through TripAdvisor and read the reviews and figured, hey, what better way to figure out where to stay? We're using the crowd, you know, we're using that crowdsourcing mentality so we can see what's good and what's not. So I felt it was my duty to let people know about my experience. The response we got well, one, let me read to you the response that they gave on the review page. I refer to the above review when we wish to thank him for the positive comments, but was disappointed that they did not enjoy their stay. As we are situated in the countryside and in close proximity to the lake, daddy longlegs, spiders, and other insects at nightfall are attracted to the lights in the building and will naturally enough come through an open window. This is something that is out of our control. I don't think that this isolated case warrants the installation of fly screens, not to mention their visual impact. Well, there were these huge windows in the middle that didn't even open that you could see out of. But I guess, you know, those two little side windows where you're getting the air from, I guess that would have just killed the view. I mean, I guess. I don't quite understand. But you know what? I'd rather look through screens, which I have in my house here in the beautiful city of Chirac for my whole life, so going on 49 years, I'd rather look through screens than be infested with spiders. I'm just saying, maybe you're different. 
And obviously these people thought their view was so beautiful that, you know, you, you couldn't put a couple pennies into, uh, into screens. Their response continues. It's rather a pity when our reviewer returned shortly after midnight on discovering that he had a situation, did not contact our night person who had let them through the front door moments earlier or dial zero to inform us of the dilemma. But we did dial zero. Nobody answered. Went down to the desk. Nobody was there. But this is the kind of shit you get with assholes and reviews, and they can just respond and say anything. This is just the beginning of the Lockleen Country House story for us. By absorbing the situation until the morning, they did not afford us the opportunity to rectify the situation before it became a problem. Instead, it had the opposite effect, which did none of us any favors. We've been in contact with the reviewer and stressed that we at Lockleen depend on, respect, and appreciate customer feedback. <laughs> I'd like to just inject bullshit here. We look at it positively and use it as a yardstick to monitor our performance and take action where necessary. I would like to assure readers we do not have a spider epidemic or any such like as may be picked up from this review. And they go on to say, we at Lockleen pride ourselves in customer care and attention to detail and will endeavor to continue to provide our guests with the highest levels of excellence. May we welcome you? Question mark. So they're using this as an opportunity to try to get more people to come to their spider infested shithole. Now this, if it would have been the end of it, wouldn't have angered me as much as it's still doing now 10 years later, because they also emailed us incessantly. They also phoned us multiple times, and I told them, it's like, look, the review was accurate. They were having such a complete hard-on and breakdown that we posted this review that the other couple, a good friend of mine and his girlfriend, now wife, that we were traveling with, they called and emailed them to try to get us to remove the review. To me, this does not sound like anybody doing business that is really has the best interest of their customer at heart. They were going to extensive lengths to try to get this review taken down. It's interesting because every now and then I go and look at the page on TripAdvisor for this location, and I can tell you right now there's a reason why there's 1,024 excellent reviews, only 45 goods, nine average, one poor, and two terrible. And the two terrible is me and another one that's now gone that was in Italian, but I ran it through Google Translate. Thank you, Google. And the Italian reviewer was complaining about, what do you think? Spiders! <laughs> yeah, it's such, it's such an isolated thing, but I can tell you why all these negative reviews that should be on this page for the Lockleen Country House why these reviews, the bad reviews that should be there aren't is because the owners were freaking insane about going after people that they're just badgering constantly, phone calls, emails. I wish I had saved the emails because they were somewhat funny because the guy's attitude was, why are you trying to kill my business? I'm like, I don't really look at telling the truth as trying to kill your business. While you had me there, one, you had the opportunity to rectify the situation, but didn't. So don't go ape shit when it comes down to getting a bad review online. 
But I feel bad. This is one of the reasons, and I can't believe I didn't remember this when I did the reviews episode a few episodes back. I can't believe I didn't remember this particular situation because this may be the most interesting follow-up, something that happened due to a review that I left because the people that own this place just totally went nuts and want to try to get more and more people, of course, to their location, which makes sense. They're, They're in business to get you in. But, you know, hey, you always question the reviews and question why. Anybody that comes to this website now, TripAdvisor, and sees, hey, over a thousand reviews, excellent, and a combined like 60 that aren't, well, of course you think it's going to be a great place. And if you get there and they're loaded with spiders, hey, at least you can't blame me. I'm the one guy who has a review saying something negative because I'm the only one that wasn't going to give in and, and take the review down because these assholes were crying and telling me I was ruining their business. They did eventually completely refund my credit card. That was, I think, their last really gasp at trying to get me to remove the review. And then they emailed me and called about that because, hey, we we gave you your money back. But it was long past worrying about the money. I wasn't worried about a couple hundred bucks at that point. I was literally worried about the next people coming in and having an experience like we did. So always, again, when you're looking at reviews, understand that uh, you have to take the good and the bad and kind of figure out where the the reality is. Because I'm sure most people don't have the horrible experience we did, but we did have the experience we had, and I told people about it, and then you can figure out how your mileage may vary on that. Otherwise, the hotels in Ireland were absolutely great. We really enjoyed, and whether or not you like you 2 they have a hotel that they bought right in, in the heart of Dublin in the uh, Temple Bar area called the Clarence Hotel, which is just an absolutely amazing. It's, it's not a huge place. It's kind of a little boutique hotel, but the staff was absolutely amazing. The rooms were great. It gets loud especially if you're on the side where we were that faces Temple Bar, because Temple Bar in Dublin is kind of like a an all-night party. So if you don't like loud noises, I mean, definitely bring some uh, headphones or some earplugs that you can put in because it may get loud. But that was all just based on location. Uh, otherwise, the hotel was amazing. Some great food. The Octagon Bar was absolutely, again, it's one of these things to where It's very, very small, but it's definitely worth checking out. If you're in Dublin, you should check out the Clarence Hotel and the Octagon Bar. Stop in, have a drink. And it's one of these things to where the bartenders aren't just like uh, working part-time. You know, they're not. This isn't just something they're doing on the side. They are good. And they had won when we were there. There There were some awards that they had won for their signature cocktail of that year. And they're kind of the guys to where... You know, if you kind of go up to him and go, you know, I'm thinking I'd like something that kind of like this, this, you know, give me, you know, make something for me. I mean, they'd whip something up and you'd have the best freaking drink of your life. So definitely check out that, whether you like Bono and his buddies at U2 and the music. They did a really good thing by taking this hotel from what I've read. The Clarence was kind of in disrepair. It had, uh, you know, fallen on tough times. They bought it, really put some money into renovating the place and turned it into a top-notch little boutique hotel. And uh, we really, really enjoyed our stay. It was one of these things where, to give you an idea of the detail 
that the Clarence Hotel had. And again, this is going back into 2009. So we're going back 10 years. Things may be totally different. But the detail that they had at the time, they, the shampoo that they had in the little bottles in the room, I really wish I would have knocked over a maid's cart and like just filled my suitcase with this stuff. The shampoo that they had in the rooms at the Clarence Hotel in Dublin was Anne Simonin mistletoe shampoo. And this stuff was awesome. This stuff was absolutely awesome. Worked really good. Smelled really good. You know, it's really, I mean, it's shampoo, of course, you know, so I know most of us spend like three cents on a bottle of shampoo because it just does a job, but this was definitely just using it a luxury shampoo. So I remember coming home from Ireland and going, you know, dude, I missed that because I mean, just even the smell, you know, it kind of reminded me every morning. It's like this just, this became synonymous with me, with the Clarence Hotel, with being pampered, with having really good food, really good booze, having a great time. So I go and I look up the shampoo and it was like 80 bucks a bottle. <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap. I didn't even know such things existed. But that is the level of this hotel, I guess, is that if you can have little mini shampoo bottles and if you go buy a big bottle, it's 80 bucks. Like I said, I, I should have just gotten rid of all my clothes and loaded up the suitcase with Irish whiskey and with the shampoo because it was some of the best stuff ever. But we had an awesome time in Dublin. As I said, the Guinness Storehouse, definitely something that you have to check out. We went into Belfast, which Belfast was another fun town. The Crown Pub, I think it's called. It's definitely the Crown, whether it's the Crown Pub or Crown something else, is one of the best places ever. And to, we checked into our hotel, which was just around the corner from the Crown. And we asked at the front desk. And the interesting thing about Ireland is they speak English. But the dialects are so completely different that if you're not used to it, or I guess if it's not in your DNA, because people swear that it's just in my DNA that I can understand, we asked at the front desk, you know, hey, where would you recommend for getting, you know, a dinner and, a, you know, a pint and all this? And they're like, the crying? And you know, it's like, what? <laughs> oh, oh, the crown. I remember waiting for a, a table one night at a restaurant. And, you know, we checked in, gave the name. And you all know my name is Darren O'Neill. That's how I say it. But when they were ready to call for the table, it was Darren O'Neill, Darren O'Neill. Like, whoa, wait, wait, that's me. Um, but and there were a couple times, I remember being in, having a cab ride. I think actually it was the cab ride from the concert that we had gone to back to the Lock Lean House, the hotel with all the spiders, where I was conversing back and forth with the cabbie, and nobody else, the other three people that were in my party, were not really saying anything. It's me, and I'm sitting behind the cabbie, and we're having this conversation for this 20-minute ride, whatever it was, from the venue back to this hotel. We got out of the cab, and the other three, my wife and my buddy and his girlfriend, now wife, look at me, and they're like, how the fuck were you talking to that guy? What was he saying? How did you understand him? And I'm like, I don't know. It really just must be in the DNA. I mean, there were times where I kind of struggled to hear a word or two, but for me, I was picking up like 95% of the words that he was saying, and I guess everybody else in my party was picking up maybe about 5%. So I think it's something in the DNA. Maybe it is. I, that's the only way I can explain it. You know, I, I don't know. I just, I guess I can pick up the Irish dialect and my brain, you know, kind of works in that way because I did really understand, you know, what he was saying. But in Belfast, we went to the Crown, and I tell you, the Crown 
there's these little snugs, which is interesting thing. And I wish they would do this more here in the USA. And I guess I understand why they don't because they want to fit. It's like planes. They want to fit like 7,000 people into an area that should fit like, you know, 5,000 people. You know, I mean, you want to fit so many people in per square inch that it's crazy. At the Crown, they had these things called snugs, which are basically huge booths, but they have doors that close you in. So if you're in the snug with your party and you're hanging out with your friends and having some drinks and having a meal, nothing else around you is really bothering you. You're in your own little box. And I just thought that was a really awesome idea. And it makes it much easier to talk because there's a, obviously you're in a bar. There's a lot of people partying, a lot of people having fun, a lot of people drinking. It gets a little bit noisy. This just works. Uh, the snugs work really, really well. And if you're in Belfast, I mean, if you could send me some of the sticky pudding, the sticky toffee pudding that they have at the Crown in Belfast, I've been jonesing for this stuff. I mean, again, we're going on almost a decade later, and that's one of the things. As far as if you would say, hey, you could have one dish, one thing that you had for the two weeks or so that we were in Ireland sent to you, that's the stuff. It was the best damn thing I've ever tasted, I think. Simple, but effective, and it works. And Ireland, I mean, I think like England, to a certain extent, I don't know, uh, they get a bad rap when it comes to the whole culinary delights thing, but we found in Ireland some absolutely excellent food. We found the beef was great. I mean, it's all grass-fed. I mean, it's right going out there. Just, there's a lot of grass in Ireland. It's the most greenest place that I've ever seen when you're driving around in the countryside. So the animals just eat the grass. Everything's good. You know, there was some very good beef. There was the service is great. Now, tipping's a little bit different, which it is, I think, all around Europe, where if, you know, they expect very little. So as, as Americans, they kind of look at you like, uh, you know, I remember my buddy gave a cabbie a tip. I don't even remember how much it was. And the guy's like, you give me all this? Like, yeah, was, was, this, was this bad? And uh, so you have to, I guess, kind of learn the local customs because you don't want to be Either way, you don't want to under tip, but you also don't want to be like, hey, hey, I'm better than you, so I'm giving you more money. Uh, we were in a, <laughs> the most interesting thing, and I may have told this story once before because it was just the most bizarre thing ever. Again, we went and we were following a country artist that I had worked for at the time. We were, they had a bunch of different concerts, and there were a bunch of country artists going around Ireland doing shows in different cities. So this was kind of like a caravan. Some artists were a couple day, you know, they were, there were multiple days in a few of these cities. So, you know, the day before there'd be one group of artists, the day after that, you know, there were a different group. We were at a hotel in Castlebar, which had a bar, of course, in the lobby of the hotel. And we were having drinks and I wanted some black bush. As I said, it's one of my favorite bush mills. And it's, it's really, it's a normally priced bush mills in relation to some of the 12 year old, you know, 16 year old, you're going way up the food chain on this. And the drinks weren't cheap to begin with, but I went up and I wanted two double black bushes, which one for me, one for my buddy. And I ordered that and the, the bartender looked at me and he's like, ah, we're out of the black bush. Randy Travis and his band. <laughs> yeah, they, they cleared us out the night before. So one, I was surprised that in Ireland, it's, there are some more remote places and this wasn't in, you know, Dublin or something like that. So we are in a little bit of a more remote place. So I was kind of surprised, one, that they weren't well-stocked on this particular Irish whiskey. Uh, two, I was impressed with Randy Travis and his band for being able to drink a hotel out of some Irish whiskey. And three, the thing that really kind of shocked me was they said, well, 
we don't have the black bush. All we have in the bush mills is the 16 year old. And I said, okay, well, give me two doubles. And they're like, well, that'll be, I think it was 36 or 38 euros a drink. And at the time, 38 euros was like 50 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, this is the first time I've ever ordered something at a bar and been like, you sure you want to pay that much? And, you know, yeah. Was it an extravagant drink? Sure. We were having a good time. And I, I really didn't care what the price was at that particular juncture. Sure, you could probably go buy a bottle for that now, or not quite, because some of the bottles are about 100 bucks a piece. But it was the only time in my life that a bartender kind of tried to talk me out of buying the good stuff. I mean, hey, not would be recommended. I would just keep trying to go, oh, the 16 is fine. Hey, do you want the 21? That's only 100, that's only 100 euros. So, yeah, congratulations, Randy Travis. Thanks for screwing it up and costing me a little bit of money. But uh, I'm, I'm impressed by the fact that you and your band cleared out a hotel of some Irish whiskey. And the other warning I'll give anybody before traveling to Ireland is be aware of the driving situation, uh, which is multiple fold. I mean, really, one, you're on the other side of the road if you're coming from the United States. The steering wheel is on the other side of the car. And they don't have red lights most places. They have roundabouts, which is really a really exciting thing as long as you're not the one driving. And I, I still will thank my wife and my buddy Jeff for doing the driving when we were in Ireland, even though my wife almost tipped the Range Rover over. But hey, two wheels is not tipping it over, and this, this was not a bad thing. Everybody's alive. Nothing got smashed up until later in the trip when my buddy Jeff backed into something. But hey, they gave us a really big car. They gave us a Range Rover, a $100,000 vehicle to drive on streets which are half the size that I'm used to driving on here in the United States. So this was really a recipe for disaster to begin with. When we got the vehicle, they asked us if we wanted the insurance, and we said, hell yes, hell yes. And good that we did, because really we just kind of turned the flipped the keys to them, they just kind of looked and nodded, and we were on our way as they had a back bumper that was a little bit ripped off, and I believe my buddy Jeff has the A from the Land Range, whatever it says on the back, Range Rover, Land Rover, uh, yeah, one of those little letters fell off, but uh, hey, these things happen when you're driving on roads where the car is sometimes wider than that, and there's cars that you're driving by, and if you had, back in 2009, if you had a car sitting on a street somewhere in Ireland where somebody may have like hit the mirror on your car, that may have been us. I'm just saying, hopefully, the statute of limitations is over. Uh, that may have been us. The driving in Ireland is insane until you get used to it, I guess. But the roundabouts, I'm sure a lot of people out there, if you're in an area that has roundabouts, you're like, this is no big deal. For those of us who live in an area where when streets come to a intersection, they have stop signs or they have red lights. The roundabouts are the craziest thing ever because really it's just kind of like everybody is, nobody stops. Everybody just merges, goes around the circle until where they want to get off the circle and then keeps going on their merry way. These roundabouts can be two, three lanes wide and uh, they could really be a harrowing experience. And you really do rely on people to kind of uh, to cut you a break, because if you're not used to doing this stuff, it is 
it is a it is a harrowing experience because you know you're used to getting to an intersection stop you can take a deep breath here you get to the intersection it's like ah and you you know you make that hard right and you go around the circle and sometimes you miss the exit you want to get off at and uh, there's other people trying to get from the inside of the circle to the outside of the circle or in you know vice versa and until you're used to it which i don't know if you ever get used to it uh it's a little bit of a harrowing experience, which was, of course, made even more fun by the fact that we probably had the biggest vehicle you could get on the road that is short of a full-size truck. And some of the times when we went out, there was uh, somebody recommended we went out to a ring fort outside of Derry that was allegedly the stronghold for the O'Neill clan back in the day. It was one of those things where you start driving and the road starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and you wind up on like a one-lane road, even though there's traffic going in both directions. Uh, so be aware, if you're going to Ireland, that the driving, the driving may be something that you want to just at least be ready for, and uh, you might want to practice uh, on some really small roads before you go off and, and have your fun. Uh, but Derry, as, before we cut this thing short, I know we're running longer than a normal Random Thoughts episode, but Derry was a very interesting city. We went and visited there, again, because of the U2 influence, the song Sunday Bloody Sunday, which is still relevant today as the event that happened, I think it was 1970, where British soldiers opened fire on Irish civil rights protesters. It took decades for the British to even admit this happened. Sunday Bloody Sunday was a song that was written about this particular event. They have a memorial and a little bit of a museum in Derry about the event that happened with some very, very moving stuff. Especially for me, understanding the history, having read books about it, there's a great movie called Sunday Bloody Sunday about the events of that day. Just this week, the UK announced they were going to be prosecuting one of the ex-soldiers from that day, which again, Sunday Bloody Sunday happened January 30th, 1972. They just announced this week they are going to be prosecuting one of the soldiers that was involved in the deaths of the Irish civil rights marchers on that day. So this is still something that is an alive and breathing thing in the area, which is kind of interesting. You see things that happened in the United States that happened, you know, closing in on 50 years ago, and they seem to be way, way long forgotten. This is something that has not been forgotten in Ireland. It's one of the reasons why there's been so much strife so much violence, which seems to be getting a little bit worse again because of this Brexit thing. If you know the way Ireland is, Northern Ireland is actually controlled and owned, you know, more or less by the United Kingdom. Those borders have all been open for years now. This Brexit thing is, is threatening that. So Ireland may be the most volatile place right now with the UK jumping out of the EU and it's definitely going to be something to watch because the violence in there with the Irish Republican Army, the it, you say that walls don't work and you know everybody can have an opinion on that. But if you go into Belfast, it's an amazing and sad city where you see the wall that separates the area where the Catholics live and the area where the Protestants live. There's a long wall that separates this thing out, and the two shall not meet. That's where all the violence started. They put a wall in to keep them apart, and it's a beautiful city. There's some great art. It's a very troubled city, 
it's something that I think the world can look upon to see exactly how things can go horribly wrong, horribly quickly over small little differences that at least we seem to be, you know, would think that would be small differences in this day and age. You know, the Catholics and Protestants. It's a city that uh, everybody I think should go to take a, uh, what do they call the, the black cab rides through and take a look at all the murals and artwork and understand the history of Ireland. It's a little country, but of course has a huge amount of history to it. It's also the place that the Titanic was built and we all know how that went, but there's a really cool museum there for the Titanic as well. So I would definitely recommend if you get a chance to go to Ireland, to definitely go check it out, have some really good whiskey, and hey, put some whiskey on your oatmeal, and you'll have a really good time. Some very friendly people. I will say the Irish people compared to what you get mostly you know, here in the United States and elsewhere, we, and I did this as a, after it happened a time or two, I, I kind of did a little bit of a study, my own little uh, psychological thing, my own little people watching to see what would happen thing. On the streets of Dublin, it really, all it took was if you were standing on a street somewhere looking confused, if you, all you had to do was look confused, and it probably wouldn't be more than 30 or 60 seconds before an Irish local walking by would go, can I help you? Are you looking for something? I mean, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, you walk down the streets in Chicago, New York. You're lucky somebody will make eye contact with you. Maybe everybody's afraid they're going to get stabbed, shot, or robbed or something, and maybe they will in those cities. But in Ireland, you know, Dublin, Belfast, the larger cities, if you just were walking around and looked confused, there was a really good chance somebody would offer help, and, and that's a really cool thing. The Irish people are a very friendly people. They're great at telling stories. They have some amazing musical traditions, and definitely check that kind of stuff out if you go as well. And hell, you can check out a lot of great Irish music without going to Ireland and get yourself ready for the trip. But a place that I'd like to go back to, if it wasn't for the seven-hour plane ride, I'd probably have been back since. But it's a very good time, friendly people. And, you know, again, as long as you don't go to the Loch Lean house to see the spiders, I think you'll be absolutely fine. And if they get wind of this podcast, holy crap, I bet you I'll be getting some more emails from the from the friendly family that owns that particular establishment. But hey, a review's a review. And it was honest. So if they do hear this, you know, hey, please don't email. Please don't call. And please don't continue to harass the friends that I was with because that was just not cool. So if you like what you're hearing on the Random Thoughts Podcast, and we hope you do, do me a favor, subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Twitter at Random Podcast, R-A-N-D-U-M-B Podcast. And you can email us at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow my Twitter account at Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. And there's still a little bit of time if you have a twi- if you have a Facebook account or a Google account. If you can give me a vote at the Rode Microphones contest that's closing down, I believe, in about a week or so. The web address is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash vote random, R-A-N-D-U-M-B. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.